Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Okay, so I know this probably sounds like I'm recording this intro in a bathroom, but I'm not. I'm actually inside the alligator house right now. As I record, I have Sonny, my 9-foot, 8-inch, 400-pound American alligator just watching me. And I thought to myself, you know what? I think it's an okay excuse because it's echoey to be inside an alligator house, right? So hopefully, listener, you can kind of bear with me. If you aren't aware or you aren't following me on my social channels, which I encourage you to do, my social tags are just at Corbin Maxi. We are in the transition of a huge move where we literally picked up two of our animal buildings and moved to a brand new property. Now, if I'm going to be completely honest and real with you, my wife and I still do not have internet at our house. And it's been like almost three weeks. It's crazy. I feel like back in the dinosaur age, we're like watching DVDs. We don't have Netflix. We don't have any access to our emails. It's actually kind of nice to be honest with you, but uh, we still don't have internet. So to record my podcast, I've had to come back to the alligator house on our separate property and record inside the alligator house. Hopefully we will have internet soon and hopefully it won't sound like I'm in the middle of a bathroom next time I do an intro. But with that said, we have a fantastic show. On the show, I have Jennifer Lagusker. She is the owner of Reptacular Animals, an organization based in Los Angeles. It is home to over 200 animals and Jennifer uses these animals for educational programs, for special events, for schools, for libraries and I just have a great conversation talking to Jennifer. You know, we share a lot of similarities and I love hearing her upbringing. I mean, she literally started having reptiles in her father's house and she gave up her own bedroom to literally have a reptile room and she really expanded her business from having a reptile room to now having over 17 acres outside of Los Angeles and it was just so fascinating to hear the stories and you know the work that she has done and Jennifer has done a lot of events for a lot of celebrities can you believe that she's done shows for Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie, Gwen Stefani, Heidi Klum, Will Smith, the list goes on. So make sure to stay tuned for the whole episode to uh, hear her stories about going to these multi-million dollar mansions with pythons and camels. Also, I encourage you to check out The After Show. The After Show, you can listen to the full interview. It's available for Patreons only. To listen to it, just become a Patreon of the Animals to the Max show. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max to listen to that after show. That is the bonus content we give you, and we have even more fun discussions about animal stories. And just, yeah, like I said, we had a lot in common. Now, I also do want to say that this is a really good episode for those of you who want to work with animals one day or maybe those who want to start their own business. Maybe you want to start a wildlife outreach company. Maybe you're wondering what it would be like to present animals, to work with them. There is a lot of excellent insight. Jennifer also talks about something that was really troubling, and that was a fire that broke out in 2017 that completely destroyed their whole entire property, their home, their animal buildings. The majority of the animals were saved from the fire, but 
it was a very, very heavy disaster. And uh, for her to talk about that and just the strength and courage they found through that. And, you know, they, as you listen, they, they made it through. So like I said, uh, Jennifer's story is so inspiring and I just had such an amazing time talking to Jennifer. I do want to give a shout out to Danica. Danica is a listener of the Animals to the Max show and she sent me an email and she actually works for Reptacular Animals and she's the one who said, hey, I love the show and by the way, I think my boss, Jennifer, would make a fantastic guest and Danica, Jennifer was great. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you are a listener of the show and maybe you work with somebody or maybe you yourself would be a good guest for the Animals to the Max podcast, all you have to do is send me an email and we can get it started. Maybe you would be a great fit for the show. I'm always interested to meet new people who have a passion for animals. But with that said, let's get to it. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay, so we both have to tell the listeners, we both are dealing with really bad internet. I'm recording in the alligator house because my new home doesn't have internet yet. And you said you live in the middle of a forest? I sure do. So I'm uh, inside of the Angeles National Forest where there's no cell phone reception. Internet is non-existent. So we are working off of satellite internet, which is super, super slow. Yeah. So we both kind of live out in the country. It's weird. When you think of California, I don't think of like a place that wouldn't have internet in California. I live probably 35 miles from downtown LA, Beverly Hills, um, but far enough into the mountains where I feel like I'm away from all of that hustle and bustle. So it's really ideal uh, for what we do and, um, you know, having so many animals in the city. So you're only 35 minutes away from downtown LA? I sure am. It's perfect (laughs) because I can go into the city, but step away if I have to because I live on the property. Wow, that's amazing. So tell me, and we actually, I should give a shout out to one of your employees, Danica, who wrote me an email and said, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast and I just wanted to let you know that my boss, Jennifer, would make an excellent guest. I want to give Danica a shout out for that. I really appreciate it. A hundred percent. She's definitely a fan. She listens to the podcast religiously is what she tells me. Um, So she was super excited that uh, you were going to have me on. So thank you, Danica. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. So tell me a little background about your organization, Reptacular Animals, which, by the way, I love the name Reptacular. I wish I would have trademarked it. Thank you so much. Uh, I can't give myself credit. Funny enough, it was actually an ex-boyfriend that came up with that name. So ha-ha for not trademarking that name. (laughs) Um, But I started off 2008 uh, doing educational presentations. I was actually still in college uh, getting my biology degree. And I loved education, so I thought I wanted to be a teacher. At some point, I thought I wanted to pursue the veterinary medicine world. Um, and I just, I couldn't see myself in either of those worlds. So I ended up, uh, working for a company that did reptile presentations like birthday parties and schools. I absolutely fell in love with the idea. Um, it was supposed to be super part-time college work and 13, almost 14 years later, I kind of, I'm still doing it, but at a much larger scale. Wow. And so you worked with someone initially to kind of get your foot in the door doing animal programs? That's right. Yeah. So I was full-time college student, uh, but I would do 
uh, the educational, like the after school programs. And then on the weekends, I do some birthday parties. Uh, it just, it was the perfect combination for the both worlds that I was looking at. So yeah, it was, it was a great college student, um, part-time gig. I remember going to a lecture, I think it was a history class, uh, as an undergraduate, like my GE classes. And I had a possum in my bag. It was <gasps> great. <laughs> Good stories. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That is hilarious. I can't even believe I've never publicly admitted this, but I have literally had snakes in my sweatshirts. I think during one of my lectures in class, because well, I don't know. Why did I do that? I think I had to bring it to another class, but I, there was no time in between and I didn't want to put it in my car. So I had Sydney, my Wuma Python in my sweatshirt during a lecture in front of like with 300 other people. That's exactly my situation with the possum. Um, yeah, I just, I was just crossing my fingers. It wouldn't move. It ended up moving. The girl next to me gave me a weird stare and I just gently pushed the bag or, or like, yeah, the bag I had the possum in like closer to my body <laughs> so she wouldn't scream. Oh my gosh. So what type of other animals were you working with when you first got your start, you know, working with this educational outreach company? So she had a primate, she had um, ferrets, hedgehogs, you know, nothing too crazy. She had some wolf hybrids, um, and she would take all of those animals, you know, out. So I was working with them, um, you know, as I was taking them out to these birthday parties and schools. Nothing too, too crazy. I think the primate was probably the, the weirdest thing that I was handling, considering I, had, I really had no um, experience. <laughs> It was just her training me. So, yeah, it was well, fun. Well, wait, I love how you say nothing crazy, and yet you mentioned a primate, a wolf hybrid. Dear God, that sounds like a crazy – those those sound like pretty intense animals to take to a kid's birthday party. <laughs> 100% agree. <laughs> so, but no one lost fingers. Everyone alive. Everyone was fine. But it was quite the – I learned a lot in, in that job. Yeah, so can I, what what type of primate? Was it a capuchin or a spider monkey? It was a spider monkey. Oh, I've worked with those. Those things can be terrifying. It was. She had me take this thing to a camp once. Um, she gave me some training, and then so she pretty much said, here you go. So I was like, sure, let me do it, because I had that, you know, go-getter kind of an attitude. Took this thing to this camp, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> What am I doing? This thing wants to attack me. <laughs> oh, what did you do? That is, that is, I, primates? I mean, yeah, she, um, I mean, I was able to do the presentation. Obviously, it wasn't a hands-on situation, but um, I went with it. I went with it. I, I, I went with it. <laughs> That's all I can say. That was like the... After that, I, I, I had to do my own research as far as, like, how to deal with an animal like that. Because, you know, it's kind of crazy. And her presentations were very hands-on. That's kind of what that niche, you know, of, of how she was um, advertising it. So, yeah, I learned. I learned a lot from not only animal handling from that job, but a lot of business. <laughs> what to tell customers, how to approach things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give her a shout out to her as well, wherever she is in the world, because it was interesting. <laughs> she she definitely put me in the path that would, you know, eventually become my career. Little did I know. Wow. OK, so how long were you with 
her and this crazy spider monkey, which, by the way, I, I want to say it's not the spiders, mon the spider monkey's fault. They just are primates are just they're different animals when you work with when education. I've worked with a few, and they're not my ideal animal to work with. <laughs> you know, not trying to crap on anyone who works with primates, but I think it takes a special person to work with primates. A hundred percent. Hence why I gravitated more towards the reptile and reptacular came to be because I thought this this is a lot easier to deal with. Um, but I was probably with her, I'm thinking 18 to 20, 21. Uh, so like two, three years. Okay, great. So a great amount of experience. Now, you know, you have, I just I can tell over the Skype call, you have a great personality. You seem friendly, like did you have to work on that like when you're doing press like when you're doing presentations in front of people or have you always naturally been comfortable in front of a crowd you know so as in high school i used to volunteer at the la zoo so they had a student volunteer program and they uh it was like a taxonomy course every saturday for like 20 weeks and they taught you about all the animals there so as a student you'd come in on the weekends and after you took the course and you passed their test you do tours so no, I was not. I was actually, I think, very timid. But it that totally opened up this world of like just sharing this passion. So, so I started off doing tours of like maybe a small family, you know, four or five people. And it just kind of evolved from there. So I'm going to say that program definitely opened that, you know, personality up. For me. Yes, and I guess anyone listening to this, a lot of people listen to this who who are aspiring to work in an animal care field, whether it's at a zoo, whether it's at an aquarium, and a lot of animal people aren't people people, but I think what some people don't realize is like it's also as much as a people job as it is an animal job if you work at a zoo or you work at an aquarium. Like you have to have good public speaking skills, you have to go to get along with people, you can't just be an, an um, introvert. A hundred percent. It's especially when you're dealing with education and I deal primarily with little kids. Um, you know, they they respond a lot better to that personality. And so instead of having this monotone, you know, voice where you lose them within five minutes, I feel like you need to be dynamic if you, you know, or uh, need to share that information and, and spread that knowledge. So, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so you're in college and you decide to start. You're with an ex-boyfriend who comes up with the name Reptacular Inventor <laughs> of Reptacular Animals, and that's when you start the organization. Yep. So I ended up connecting with uh, at the time a business partner, and she was very knowledgeable on birds. Um, so here comes in this reptile girl, because that's what I ended up gravitating towards. It was all about the reptiles. I loved monitors. Um, so combined both of these passions, and we figured, well, you know, let's let's start doing this on our own. Uh, LA is definitely big enough, right? Um, so I turned, I was living with my dad at the time. So I turned my bedroom into a reptile room, heaters everywhere, almost burned my house down, but it didn't happen. I mean, stories go on and on. Um, I mean, it got to the point where I just slept in the couch in the living room. My dad kept telling me, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I told him my reptiles need a certain temperature in there and it's too hot for me to sleep in there. So um, that slowly evolved, right? Um, he continued to think I was crazy. My business partner at the time lived 
about 10 miles from me, um, and she had all the birds. So she had little parrots from parrotlets, um, you know, cockatiels, conures, small stuff, doves. And, yeah, we did our first gig. It was just with our pets. Um, you know, come in, whatever we charged at the time, I think it was like $100. We wow. reinvested that into, you know, feed, more animals, and slowly it got bigger and bigger. Wow. So you gave up your personal bedroom to make it into a reptile room. I love that. Yes, they were my babies. <laughs> now, did you ever have any of your reptiles get loose in your dad's house accidentally? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, embarrassed to say maybe one too many times. Um, and he is not, he had a phobia or has a phobia with snakes. Uh, but I remember doing some errands. He calls me frantically and said, there's a big dragon in my hallway and it's attacking me. It was an Argus baby monitor. Like, <laughs> but he just described it as this big thing and it's standing over his head and it's about to eat me. And so, of course, I rushed over. But yeah, I don't know how he didn't kick me out. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it took over my life. I had an emperor scorpion escape at some point. Um, yeah, fun stories. And my brother lived with us as well. So he also thought I was crazy. But, you know, I, I started doing it really as something. It was fun. Never intended this to become a business at all. You know, it was something that the, the money coming in was just going to feed my pets. So, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, people ask me all the time to have any of the animals gotten out. And honestly, in my younger years, absolutely. Like if you're a reptile person and you say your pets have never gotten out, that's a complete lie. Because they, something always escapes, especially if you have a bunch of animals. So God, there's so many stories. I had a snake one time get loose. I think I was only like eight or nine, but one of my pythons got loose and we couldn't find it for weeks. And it ended up wrapping around underneath one of our stove burners. And my mom was about to cook dinner and realized we had an albino Burmese python wrapped around one of our burners um, for the heat. And anyway, it was Oh, just, no. I know. Anyway, the snake was fine. But I'll tell you what, crazy, crazy stories. Yeah, I think if you if you dive into, you know, the herp world, you're yeah, it's it's going to happen. Like you said, especially in, as, as you're learning, right? <laughs> How to pro why to properly always check, you know, enclosures and locks and all that fun stuff. So mm -hmm. absolutely. So it starts in your bedroom at your dad's house. And tell me what happens then. It, it sounds like you started gaining momentum in the Los Angeles area. I did. Um, so from the bedroom, uh, I took over the living room. Um, and then I got to a point where I was able to help my dad monetarily. So, you know, I was able to rent out the whole garage. And when he saw, oh, she's actually contributing <laughs> financially, he actually turned around and started helping me. So he turned the reptile garage, we insulated it, we turned it into a reptile room. So now I get my bedroom back um, and now the reptiles move out and we have a, a pretty good size or he has a pretty good size uh, backyard. So I started incoming some sulcatas, incoming some leopard tortoises, uh, and it just started getting bigger. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds like, 
God, so much fun. So how many animals did you have at that point when you moved into the reptile room that you converted the garage into the reptile room? How many animals? So that's, I mean, in my bedroom, I might have had 10, you know, nothing too crazy. When I was able to expand to the to the garage, uh, it might have doubled, maybe 20, something like that. Um definitely started using the outside space more so you know like I said I started getting uh, acquiring a lot of tortoises um so I'm gonna say 20 30 something like that don't don't quote me because I don't remember but it was it was small <laughs> yeah and-, and then with the business partner and the birds uh, we kind of started bringing in some um mammals oh. so she, you know, she lived in a back house, um, again, not too far from me, but so she, she started housing some, you know, same birds and then in come in smaller mammals like chinchillas, rabbits, things like that. Okay. Okay. So, and, oh, does that make you nervous when you're doing shows with snakes and chinchillas? Um, no, I just, because it's a way of, um, of how I, I present them. <laughs> There's like an order to the madness. Um, so I don't just because I, I know that order, you know, how to safely do it. So, okay. So who do you, who do you show first, the snake or the chinchilla? The snake. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, but if I do have a snake that has to come after the chinchilla, I just make sure that I lather in hand sanitizer or something. And then I'll take out like the boa or the Python, what have you. Um, yeah. yeah, I had to do that once on, on a national TV show on, on Megan Kelly today and we, it was around Easter. So I had the giant, they wanted the giant bunny. It was a giant Flemish rabbit. And then of course, right after they wanted the boa constrictor and I thought, Oh boy, we'll see what happens. It, it, it was fine. But I thought, Oh man, that <laughs> order. Cause the producers were so like, no, we want this order. We need this and that. And I was like, okay. And, uh, anyway, nothing happened, but I remember in my mind thinking, Oh my God, this could not end very well. Yeah, I agree, especially in that order. But yeah, with, you know, if I kind of uh, derail that sense of of mammal fur on me, I've I've never had an issue. Good, good. So tell me, so take us to where you are now, because now you're one of the most reputable wildlife outreach organizations in California, which I should say, California, it's pretty hard to have animals, exotic animals in California. So that's yeah, a whole nother can of worms, but where are we now with reptacular animals? So uh, I ended up finding now my husband uh, through the business. He was my tortoise um, tortoise supplier. He belonged to a turtle club out here in, in Los Angeles. And now, yeah, anyway, uh, we ended up buying a property 2015 out here in the Angeles National Forest. We have about 17 and a half acres which again, unheard of, especially so close to all the, you know, very popular cities. And uh, we have over 200 animals. Yes, I I have a reptile like room. um, But now we have larger parrots, uh, camels, zebra, farm animals, um, you know, income, the arthropods, the amphibians. Uh, It's not just myself. Obviously, my uh, at the time business partner moved on. So now it's myself and my husband, and I have an incredible, incredible staff family um, that just loves the animals as though it's their own, and, and they are their own. So in you know goes Danica, 
I have a reptile keeper now, uh, birds, mammal keeper, a uh, farm animal keeper. We do weddings on the property. It just, yeah. <laughs> It got a lot bigger. <laughs> wow. And so did you say you had 17 or 15 acres? That's right. Yeah. Um, it's it's all very hilly. So not, not it's not flat. We're like in the mountains. Um, usable probably about five to six. And we have a creek that flows through the property. Uh, but yeah, how a in, lot of land for where we are. How in the world were you able to score that? Maybe that's getting too personal, but that in one in in outside of LA, what? I know. <laughs> I I don't question it. Um, it's definitely brought its own. How do you say it? Um, challenges and obstacles that we were not prepared for living, you know, in here. But yeah, we got we got lucky. <laughs> we got very lucky. <laughs> Oh my God! I was. Were you looking for land? Good timing. For, yeah. Were you looking for land for a while? Because my wife and I, we're in the process of moving all of our animals to our new property, and we looked for months to try to find a place. And I guess the market's a lot different than it was six years ago. But how long were you looking for this property? Probably a year to two years. Uh, my husband's also very much of a go-getter, so he just started looking, looking everywhere and interestingly enough I had come across this property back when I had my business partner uh, because back then we were also looking for a property to invest in together so we had come across the property I ended up in but it was I was a little too above our, our our financial range at the time so we ended up not you know doing that and things happened for a reason since you know we ended up parting ways but um when he started looking and he said, Hey, I found this. I'm like, what? <laughs> I went, I, I looked at the same property five years ago. So it was kind of weirdly meant to be, we'll say, I, I don't know. It's, it's unique, you know, in the sense of there's just so much property and it just, it worked well for what we do. Of, so of just good timing. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. So over 200 animals and like right outside of Los Angeles, how is it doing shows in LA? Because it is hard to keep exotic animals and the permitting process. And you have a lot of people who are anti-zoo, anti-live animal shows. I mean, it's a very, very uh, difficult area. Unfortunately, there are a lot of businesses that are moving outside of out of California because of that. Uh, Two thousand. 2019, 2020, a law passed where uh, no exotics are allowed in the city of LA. Um, and I mean, the list is, is, is gigantic. The way it affects me is uh, pythons over five feet, lizards, monitors, iguanas over five feet. My camels, the zebra cannot go into LA city. Um, so it's very, very difficult. Uh, luckily, I'm within L.A. County, which has its own regulations and it hasn't gotten there yet. Um, and, you know, yeah, we continue to do the birthday parties. Uh, I have a staff of maybe 10 different handlers that go out and do these events. It's educational. You know, it's 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 you know, we do the whole. Yes, it's entertaining and things like that, but it's educational. I think the problem came when people were, you know, doing these elaborate Hollywood parties with tigers and lions and someone got upset at that and in came that law. So 
luckily we have a big enough property now that I'm slowly starting to move the direction of, of doing outside events. Uh, we do a lot of weddings. We're booked with weddings. Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, almost 12 months out of the year. And I say almost because December and January tend to be not that busy. Um, but it's a little different. You know, it's rustic. The animals are incorporated into the weddings. Um, I have the camel bring in a bride. Zebra takes pictures. A goat is a ring bearer. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so... Because of the property, you know, and because we're within the county, um, we're able to do a little bit more than just go out and do these events. So we're in a in a good position because of that. It's very unfortunate, you know. Um, a lot of these people and kids that have never seen a chicken um, are now getting being that 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 option ability to see all these other animals has been taken away from them so it's very sad you know that's la for you yeah it sounds like your business model is going to be mainly just towards just having events at at your your farm or your ranch i mean it sounds like it's at, that's easier it is um but i did start you know the programs uh with the intent of going into inner city schools and showing these kids, you know, that have seen nothing but concrete, a lot of these animals. And, and that's really where my passion lies. Um, you know, underprivileged communities that don't get that opportunity. Now it's just a little bit more difficult because a lot of those cities are within Los Angeles cities. You know, a lot of those communities, I mean, are within Los, uh, Los Angeles cities. So I've been lucky enough to invite you know, uh, organizations, nonprofits that can bring the kids to the ranch. But a lot of the times it's, it's, that's a lot harder because you need to think of transportation, things like that. So it's, it's complicated, but you know, we're, we're trying our best to go around this new law Yeah. in, in, in a legal way. <laughs> are you, are you, are you able to still do like studio work because some of the studios are like I'm thinking, because a lot of the studios are in like Burbank. Are you able to still go do stuff like that? We can do things like that. You know, um, that's definitely not our main bread and butter. But we have we worked with different uh, companies that that will you know lease our animals and and use them for movies and commercials and all that good stuff. Um, so that's that hasn't been affected quite yet. Okay, I'm wondering if those mm -hmm. laws were in place in the LA in the city of LA to kind of remove circuses. Yeah, it was it had to do with circuses. Um like I said it, it had to do with the, you know, uh parties that were being, you know, in the Hollywood Hills and stuff. Um that's kind of where it started. So Okay. Yeah, it's like I said it's unfortunate because now it's this it it encompasses this big umbrella. So yeah, circuses are not allowed, but now I I can't take you know, these other animals into someone's backyard. Hmm. So, yeah, well, um, yeah, we have to get creative. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a, I, uh, I have to ask you about this cause you know, birthday parties, that's a whole nother thing. Oh my God, Jennifer. I, so to support the animals through high school, I had to do reptile birthday parties. I called them critter parties. And I don't think I could ever do another one. I did so many of them. So, um, <laughs> but you've, <laughs> you've, uh, yeah, probably. Of uh, do you still do birthdays yourself, or do you kind of source them out to your other employees? Um, yes and yes. So now I'm a mom. I'm a mom of a seven-year-old and a seventeen-month-old. Um, so that also changed, you know, uh, 
I don't want to say my priorities, but the what I would rather do on my weekends, <laughs> I still do them. Actually, uh, when you called earlier today, I came from an event because I, I genuinely love them and I love kids. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love kids. So, um, you know, yeah, you'll have that one event. You're like, oh, okay, what is this over? <laughs> but just like today, they were so into it and they asked such great questions and if I can have a little girl that was like not about the animals in the very beginning touch the Madagascar hissing cockroaches my job is done yeah oh that's <gasps> so nice now you're making me sound so bitter because I'm like you could never pay me I've just had I think <laughs> I did it for so I've had nightmare like okay you have to admit like <laughs> tell me your worst like nightmare animal parties story you have to have at least one Oh my God. Um, you're putting me on the spot. Let me see. A nightmare. To be honest with you, it's when they don't care about the animals and you have the parents in yeah. the background drinking and they're yeah. louder than you. And you're yeah. like, I'm just trying to give information out. Or I have one. <laughs> I just thought of it in my earlier days. Um, talking about Madagascar hissing cockroach. Birthday boy was all about the animals. I had him hold a Maddie and he just like flung it he just didn't want it, it I was just so appalled because I was like poor cockroach it's flying on the other side <laughs> of the, the party or the the crowd oh, but no. I think those are probably the big the most frustrating you know the most frustrating is when the kids are not about it I'm there as an entertainer um the parents are not into it they're having a conversation in the back and I'm uh, my voice is fighting against those parents and fighting against the balance. I just, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. No. So. No. And I, you, you kind of explained my worst one. I had a lady in a rich neighborhood hire me when I was like 15. And I, I thought it would be a great idea to do something called a deluxe critter party, which were, was a two hour critter party, which a two-hour animal show for six-year-olds is way too long. Anyway, she locked me in the garage with 36 six-year-olds while all the other parents were getting drunk and having nice catered food, and the kids were not into it. They were screaming. They were like, it was like complete chaos, and it was just like, it was so much, and then I remember like, afterwards i was so fresh it, it just it was so much like no one cared and i remember man this is the worst party ever yeah yeah you know and unfortunately you'll have things like that um out here in la we have certain types of people that just like they want you to entertain petting zoos are probably difficult uh because you have like a flight of stairs and they want you to take a pig and alpaca a mini horse a cow and all of the animals out there you're thinking in what world <laughs> did you not read, you know, like, or sing, you know, old McDonald's? Like, they don't, they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have to ask, so, I have to ask, Jennifer, so you've probably have done a lot of celebrity birthday parties. Can you spill on some of the celebrities that you've done shows for? Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> so, like, some of them had me sign one of those, uh, NDAs, but not everyone. Um, so my, my newest passion are camels. Um, so the camels have been going out a lot lately. And Will Smith, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith had one of our camels go out for, I guess it was his birthday. And he was having like an Aladdin theme when uh, whenever Aladdin came out. So one of our camels met Will Smith. 
Um, we had, you? and did, usually you don't you? know. Did you? It wasn't me. Oh, no. son of a what? <laughs> did you send someone Got else it. out? <laughs> Because I was out of town, and uh, usually I was going to say, you don't know it's it's a celebrity party. They won't tell you. Um, it's like you show up there, and you're like, oh, it's Halle Berry's kid, and, and you know, we weren't prepared. So I would say 10 out of 10, you don't know you're going to their, to their home. Um, so I did Halle Berry. What? Um, Gwen Stefani, we've done her a couple times. Yeah. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Okay, hold on. So, well, so does an outside company, just for listeners, like how does it work? Does like a, like a, like a secret company reach out and say, Hey, we need a camel for a private event. And our client is very like secretive and you won't know until you show up. Is that how it works? It's usually their assistants or some kind of an assistant that books it. It's under their name. It's the whole deal. Um, yeah. So it's the assistant's name. Oh, really? Heidi Klum, though, was the only one that I realized. Um, so we did Heidi Klum, but she had to sign an NDA and our phones were taken away and the whole deal. Um, so prior to that, they were they told us that we were going to have to deal with that. So I figured it was someone. But she's really the only one I've had to do that, that, you know, took everything away from us. Um, but Brad Pitt has the, we Angelina Jolie and her kids. They've hired. Yeah. Shut up. Are you <laughs> freaking kidding me? It's like you're like, oh my goodness, it's you. But I don't want to make a big deal because it's their home, and I know that they're hiring us. They're trying to spend time with their kids. Um, so we, I really never say anything. You know, I just I'm like, okay, I have to be on my game. <laughs> I have to put on a good show. What? Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing too, because. I've met, so because we the animals and I do the Today Show so often, you never know who's going through. So we've, I mean, I've met a lot of celebrities, but my God, you've, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, what are their houses like? Beautiful. <laughs> Very beautiful looking over the city. I mean, they're just big. I remember uh, the first time we did Gwen Stefani's, um, she, you know, I we have to carry really heavy boxes of whether it's the pythons or the the whatever um so they didn't want our vehicle to drive uh on their beautiful driveway of marble or whatever you know it was just like a beautiful road and i kind of put a little hissy fit because i'm like i'm not going to carry the animals until you give me a close you know a loading spot i don't have to park there so i went back and forth with security so i was kind of in a foul mood because i'm like you know i don't care who these people are It's, it's heavy animals I walk in and I'm like, oh, bleep. <laughs> it's Stefani's house. Okay. I'll maybe. <laughs> so that changed my tune just a little bit, but I was, you know, I was like, oh, I don't They're, you know, grumbling that they wouldn't give me close unloading spot and blah, 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 blah. But... Wow. <laughs> I, I can't even believe that. Yeah. That's crazy. Were they all pretty enjoyable to work with, <laughs> these, these celebrities? Or were their kids, like, really difficult? Yes and yes. Um, most celebrities aren't too into it. They're out, you know, dealing with their guests and stuff. So you're just dealing with the kids. Um, to be honest with you, the kids and their nannies, sad. But, yeah, it's just, you know, you'll see them here and there. Uh, I was told Will Smith is nice. Um, one of the band members from No Doubt... Tony 
whatever his last name is, uh, he was super, super, super sweet. Um, he was like all about the animals and, you know, made sure we were okay, but it's not too common when they're like that. So (laughs) yeah. And I do a, I I guess I had to sign NDAs, but I'll just tell a roundabout. I do a very famous event. I guess I shouldn't even say where it is. Anyway, we're the, we're the richest people in the world get together. So like Oprah, Bill Gates, um, LeBron James's kids, and we've done entertainment for them. And it's funny. Well, I guess it's not funny, but you never see the actual celebrities, but you just see the kids and their nannies. And I remember it was so funny, though, because I remember telling these really rich kids who all came in on private jets, by the way. I was like, this right here is my Savannah monitor from Africa. And you just have like one little kid go like, we just got back from safari there. Like, it's just it's it's so funny because like, I'm like, oh, my God, these kids have just traveled the world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like normal for them, you know, it's like part of their daily and you turn around with whoever you're with and you're like. Yeah, <laughs> they just came from, like you said, like from Africa, so. <laughs> yeah, I think they're yeah. so cool. I think my favorite one, I, and all the kids mm-hmm. were, were really well behaved. I mean, from my experience working with celebrity kids, they were all pretty well behaved. Um, and they were really into it. I mean, oh, you're like shaking your head. You're like, yeah, yeah maybe not so much. Actually, I think most of them have been. Um, I'm trying to think if, yeah, I can't really think of anyone that was, like, disrespectful or anything like that. They're, they've all been really, really good kids. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That is so interesting. So yeah. tell me really quick. Yeah. Um, we're going to kind of shift gears because I know that this was something that really struck me when Danica reached out. You had something happen in 2017. A fire broke out. Yep. Um, so that was two years after we had bought the property. But uh, we went through a fire and we lost the entire property. Uh, yeah, I just. Uh... <laughs> so uh, winds were gnarly. I'm sure, you know, you've heard California goes through this phase every year and all of it burns at some point. Uh, I was definitely not prepared for that. So earlier I told you, you know, acquiring this property definitely gave us um, a lot of challenges we were not prepared for. And evacuations were definitely one of them. Uh, I was already on the mindset of having to evacuate the year prior to that. Uh, Husband was deployed. Uh, We had just acquired the property. So we, you know, and I was not prepared because I thought, what do you mean evacuate? how I have so many animals luckily natural property a standing property but it kind of triggered this idea into my head um, that I needed a plan when it happened again so that was 2016 move forward 2017 um, I did have somewhat of a plan and it worked we were able to evacuate the animals the only problem is I didn't have a plan to come back to nothing um and you know living on the property I had my mom my sister you know we're the typical Latino family um so it it was all of us on the property and you know I, I lost a lot of personal things too so not only did I have to worry about the animals but then I had my family I had my son at the time was three years old it was just yeah it was crazy wow but you but none so of, um none of the animals ended up passing away no so we were able to take everyone out i just animals passed away because we had um we weren't prepared to house 
you know, 150 pound sulcatas. I had a 12 foot Burmese python. Uh, birds are very uh, sensitive to smoke. So I had a little pyrolette pass away a couple of days after the evacuation. Um, so we had animals unfortunately pass just because it's not easy finding, you know, a home. And at the time, I think we had 15 different large tortoises. Um, we had a bunch of pythons, you know, and not everyone has like something big enough for an animal that size or someone that can house a bunch of cockatoo, uh, yeah, cockatoos and, and macaws in their backyard. So, cause you have to remember, you know, our, our closest neighbors are all in the city. So I had to, you know, look elsewhere and further to people that had big properties where I could house all my goats, sheep, cows, alpacas. So, yeah. How how do you recover from that? That's a hard question. Um, you know, it it was definitely a test. Uh, we we either closed up shop, you know, rehomed the animals, and then just sell the property, which my husband and I talked about a couple of times, or we rebuild. And, and that's what we decided to do. Um, so we were lucky enough to have people to help us take care of the animals. It was probably a period of a year to two years because uh, it wasn't easy, you know. Um, but, yeah, we just had a lot of help, a lot of help. Uh, people that were graciously willing to just let us store dirty rabbits in their backyard or you know, the camels and the, the the big parrots ended up going to a friend of mine in San Diego who owns a camel dairy. And he was, they both, the, the couple was incredible to just hold on to my parrots. So, you know, animals were scattered everywhere. Um, and it was difficult because, you know, you only have so much manpower. So the people that were gracious enough to allow us to keep the animals there were also taking care of my, my animals. So it, it, it I just... People were incredible. That I, we could not have done it alone. It was just a community of, of so many people that had, you know, a helping hand in that situation. And was this just a natural wildfire that went through California? No. So what they're saying, uh, actually, to this day, it's, it was a power line. So the winds were gnarly crazy that night, uh, so much so that my husband was not able to go to sleep. He just kept going outside and, you know, seeing what was getting destroyed because it was like Santa Ana winds crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, the power lines ended up, you know, bending enough to create a spark. And that that is what they say caused it. Wow. But so four years later, are we back on our feet? Facilities rebuilt? Yep. We are back. Um, all the animals are back. Uh, just last year... It was probably the beginning, uh, 2019 to early 2020, the reptiles finally came home. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it was definitely a couple of years in the making to come back, but we're back. Our house got rebuilt. We just moved into it uh, last year, September. So, yeah, we rebuilt. Congratulations. And I want to say it takes a strong person to... I mean, you and your husband and your family and a community to just do that. So I, my hat goes off to you because I couldn't even imagine um, what you guys must have went through. Thank you. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, it was definitely a lot of love from a big community of people that were just so willing to help. Um, 
on on how all of that came to be. So yeah, I, I couldn't have done it with, without the help. But we're here. Animals are good. Uh, learned a lot from that evacuation plan. What worked, what didn't. Um, yeah. So you know, it was a lot of people, a lot of uh, the keepers that you know had to travel cities back and forth, and having you know to help me with the animals. So yeah. Yeah, well, I am so happy to hear that you are back. And uh, Jennifer, we are at the end of the interview, but I wanted to see, will you join me for the after show? Yeah, of course. Okay, that sounds great. But before we go, where can our listeners follow you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? On all of that. So we have our Instagram. We uh, It's uh, rep, at, uh, Reptacular Animals, uh, R-E-P-T-A-C-U. L-A-R animals um, is where I kind of put all of my animal pictures and such. And then reptacular underscore ranch is uh, the the happenings of of our property, our our in-house events. That's amazing. Well, awesome. And listeners, if you want to join Jennifer and I for the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max, become a Patreon member, and you can get exclusive access to the after show. All right. In the after show, I'm going to ask Jennifer who the uh, meanest celebrity she ever met was. <laughs> I don't know if she'll answer it. <laughs> Her face looks puzzled. Oh. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Head on over. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.